the NFL's insane ratings, Tony Romo's struggles, and Netflix's deal with the WWE. SBJ's Stone Cold Austin Carp joins me to discuss it all. And we're back. The Marshand and RN Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Marshand. Austin Karp from SBJ is in for John Oran, who's off covering hockey. Uh, we're going to talk everything uh, that's been going on. Big day as we're recording Netflix and WWE deal. NFL ratings, CBS, Fox, ESPN, NBC, all insane ratings. We'll get into that. Austin, uh, thank you for joining us today. Awesome to be here. Hoping to provide a better looking haircut than Mr. Rand would usually show up uh, with on his uh, on his deliveries. Mm-hmm. That's right. That actually was a big deal. When we first started the pod, <laughs> a lot of comments about the Orand um, haircut, and uh, it did get better over the years. But um, but the at the beginning, a lot, a lot oh, of comments yeah. about. That. I sent him a couple of links to barbers in his area. I'm hoping he chose one successfully. Have a seat. Chair number two. Be ready in a second. Yeah, that would be that would be good. All right, let's go. Who's up? Who's down? Who's up? Who's down? Austin, I'm going to go first uh, here. My who's up is TKO's Mark Shapiro, Nick Khan, and Ari Emanuel. Why? Because of the Netflix deal that they made for Raw for more than $5 billion. That's with a B. For 10 years, there's, a, there's an opt-out after five could be extended another 10, uh, but in a market that we've seen that has softened, they did tremendously because not only did they get the money, and let's just say it's not apples to apples because this also includes the international rights. The previous deal was just domestic, uh, but still a huge increase uh, overall, and they didn't just go someplace to get the money. They went to Netflix. And so if you're going to talk about any streamer right now and who's doing the best in the streamers, it's clearly Netflix. Netflix getting involved. This is a little bit different. We're going to get into in the topics. Uh, into This is sports entertainment, not really sports. It is live, but it is different, but a huge deal. Um, and, you know, we saw what happened with the Pac-12. They went out of business. We've seen the, the market softening. Uh, and so for Shapiro, Khan, and Emmanuel to come up with such a good deal uh, is tremendous for them. Yeah, I and mean, you've talked about it, you know, ad nauseum, especially on this podcast, about how there are just so many limited dollars out there, and Netflix wasn't getting in. They weren't jumping in. I think this deal needs to be juxtaposed with what MLS and Apple did, okay? MLS wasn't really doing incredibly well on linear TV, struck the deal with Apple going behind the, the paywall there on an OTT platform. This property, Raw, was is WWE's most watched show, and now it's coming off of linear TV for the first time and going to, yes, the biggest global streaming platform in the world. I, I think it's a huge deal, not just for WWE and Netflix, but for any sports property that's going to be out there now thinking Netflix is in play. Uh, that'll be topic one. We'll get deeper into this. Right, who's, who's your who's up? My who's up is Jason Kelsey. And no, it's not for just taking the shirt off and you know having a good time at his brother's game on Sunday with Taylor Swift in the background. I really think this guy, if he does formally retire, has a really strong 
sports media career ahead of him. I've really enjoyed the Heights podcast so far. I think he's personable. Like whether that translates to something, if, if he wants something more Hollywood, but I think it would be really good. I think he'd be an attractive property for any NFL TV partner to have, to have him come on, to be some sort of analyst. Forget the Manning cast. I would absolutely tune in to see the Kelsey cast if that were a thing. I think that would be way more interesting than what the Mannings maybe have done so far. All right, let me move to my who's down, and it's Tony Romo. Um, you know, I could put Jim Nance in there as well with Romo because that tandem has not clicked. They've had two playoff games. Neither has gone great. I'm taking Nance out because he did have a good call at the end of the game uh, on the missed field goal by the Bills. Uh, but Romo, it's going to be a big couple of weeks here. He's got the championship game this weekend and the Super Bowl, and there's just the, the broadcast is choppy. Um, they, uh, Romo's points are not as cogent as they once were. Um, a lot of throwing out a stat and then saying some kind of gibberish and it doesn't really work. And then the chemistry between him and Nance is not really there. Um, they don't play off each other. Well, even if they say each other's names a thousand times, um, and then they're bringing in, you know, everyone else, you know, you know, every second there's, you know, Gene Steratore being brought in, got Jay Feely from the sideline. Tracy Wolfson, of course, also on the sideline. Um, and so it's been a very busy broadcast, um, and it's something to watch the next couple of weeks. So my who's down, Tony Romo. I got to admit, that fourth quarter was kind of a tough watch there at the end, watching the end of that Chiefs-Bills game. So I agree with you on that front. Andrew, my down is Barstool Sports. Why? Because Erica Ayersbaden is out now as CEO. I always kind of considered her really the adult in the room as far as planning out their future and what they were going to do. Now, Barstool, they didn't make it as a betting brand. It was sold back to Portnoy for a dollar because Penn Entertainment just didn't see the value anymore. Went with ESPN. They're getting away from that bowl sponsorship they have. Heck, this last year they had to team up with the CW to broadcast it because just showing it on Barstool I, I don't think was an incredible success. The one thing that they really do have going for them still is the power of part of my take as a podcast. Biggest sports podcast out there in terms of listenership. And if you look across all podcasts, you know, the top 20 or so, it's the only sports podcast in that ranking. So it does have a lot of traction. I, I just wonder about the, whether we've seen the zenith of Barstool Sports as a brand. I mean, they seem to have a very loyal audience. So, you know, how you monetize that, um, et cetera. They just did a deal with Rumble um, after they had some issues with YouTube. Um, you know, look, they're controversial. Um, they've done well in terms of selling themselves um, and then getting the company back and Dave Portnoy. I do think he's very popular. I mean, his pizza review is very popular. Um, and I do think he, they, they have a following now. I think, you know, the issue for most media companies, can they create new stars? Right. Um, you talked about PMT obviously those are stars. Uh, their main guys are still there, but you know, can they build that next generation? Mm -hmm. So they keep growing and they keep saying young and hip. So I don't know. I don't know if I would necessarily bet against them. Really, they, they had um, Call Me of... Daddy. They lost that property, and you know the Rumble yep. thing you brought up. With, I, I thought was interesting. I'm like, this this is where they're ending up. This is where they're going to be taking you know some of their their broadcasts. Uh, it, it just didn't feel like a brand that's on the rise striking a deal with Rumble. That's fair. That's fair. All right, let's go to the topics. Um, and our first one is the Netflix WWE deal. Let me start with you. Um, when you first heard it, your reaction was, wow, uh, Netflix is finally taking the plunge. And, and then my second reaction was, oh, this is a pretty sweet deal for WWE. It makes a lot of sense domestically. It makes even more sense globally. 
given the reach that Netflix has, given the reach that the WWE already has, and that they want to grow more in areas outside of the U.S., Latin America, and Canada. I think it's a big win for, you know, those two sides, as well as, like we talked about, that game of musical chairs. Is Netflix now going to be one of those people at the table for sports properties as those rights come up? The big thing to me is this. So um, it is a landmark move. You know, Mark Shapiro, who I mentioned earlier, he mentioned it in the same vein as uh, ESPN getting the NFL in 87, then Fox and Rupert Murdoch in the early 90s, uh, taking the NFC package away from CBS. Um, and then when you talk about sports television history, this will be another one. Maybe. Okay. I don't know if it's exactly the same thing. Cause I do think when you look at WWE and you look at what Netflix does and why it might make m more sense for them than regular sports that are games and live events, it's 52 weeks. So it's kind of like a TV series, right? It's a TV show. Um, the outcomes are predetermined. And so yes, it's athletics and these guys are all athletes. Um, but it's different than regular sports. It's more, you can just rely on the storylines. Obviously, they have to do a good job in writing them, et cetera, but you can rely on that. If I'm Netflix and I'm in my board meetings and I'm talking about it, I think you're creating more of a Stranger Things type of thing. Mm -hmm. Now, it's a lot of money. It is live. They haven't really done much live, but that kind of brings me to topic two you know, as well. We can still talk topic one, but just move it into it. To me, my big takeaway, this points to Amazon even more so getting the NBA because I think Amazon you know, could have been involved in this WWE deal, um, and I think it points – less that the NBA is going to end up with Netflix um, because uh, I just don't think if they're going to make this big bet on WWE, I'm not sure if they're just going to right away make a huge bet on the NBA. So I think kind of it's a little counterintuitive. This is Netflix, yes, getting into sports, but how far into sports are they getting? No, I agree that the 52-week-a-year thing is huge. It's regular, and it prevents one of the biggest things we talk about, churn from these streaming platforms. We talked a lot of, about it with the, the Peacock game because Peacock has traditionally had one of the biggest churn rates. You know, war, this, is, this was a one-off game this year. How many people signed up and how many people are going to leave? You're not going to have that with WWE fans and Netflix. They're going to stay on week in, week out during the course of the year. And I agree with you. Like, I don't think that Netflix all of a sudden, because they're doing this WWE deal, is going to be in bidding on that wild card game next year. I, I don't think I think they want to walk before they run, and I think they want I think they're going to want to really make sure that they do WWE properly before they get hot and heavy into some of the other sports rights that might be out there. And also, I think when you look at these streamers getting into sports, you know, the production aspect of it is a big deal. Now, Amazon's done a good job, but they're using mostly NBC people, right? That's mostly that how they've done that. Um, so. Uh, that's part of it. So with this, WWE does their own production. So just kind of they're, they're licensing the show um, there. And um, it's a huge number. Uh, but the churn aspect of it makes sense. I just think like some of these other, you know, I think you look at NBA, for example. I think NBA has a lot to offer. I think NBA is going to do fine. We talked about this previously on the podcast. Um, if they're going to get the most money. They're probably going to have to do four partners, I think. You know, and right now it's a Turner or WBD Sports, TNT Sports, rebranded, um, ESPN, ABC, uh, Amazon, and then maybe NBC. Those are your four. Um, you know, Apple obviously is in there. You can't now rule out Netflix. Um, but uh, those are your four. CBS, Fox already said basically they're out. Um, so they're not going to be involved. I do think they want to be on broadcast. I think when you look at it, Netflix made their bet on WWE 
you know, instead of NBA. And I think Amazon's going to make their bet on uh, NBA instead of WWE. I do think the NBA is going to be with four partners. Like you said, I think there's just, I think the incumbents on the linear side definitely do stay. I think that's a smaller package, particularly for TNT Sports, on what they're going to have. I think Amazon is a leader in the clubhouse for a streaming platform. And what that NBC Peacock element looks like, I think that's a wild card uh, in terms of that fourth partner. And also, like, where do the NBA Finals go? Does it stay on one network? Does it does does that go to cable TV? Or I don't think it's, I definitely don't think that the NBA Finals are going behind a streaming paywall. But what does the NBA want to do there? I think the NBA wants to have that NFL style approach where they have multiple media partners and a few packages out there beyond just the two that they have right now. Yeah, and then you look at what WWE can do next. Um, they still have their deal with Peacock that goes through into 2026. Um, and that includes all the big events like WrestleMania. Um, and so they'll be able to sell that domestically and the WWE network, which is, you know, worth a lot for, you know, diehards. Um, so they're going to go into the, um, market again, um, and go get some more money. So, uh, they're shaping up to have a, a pretty good formula here, um, in terms of where they're going and, and how it's going to work out. And I think, again, I think the big win for them is not only do you get the money, but is that you're aligning with someone who is going to be successful. And I, and also for your audience, right? How many people have Netflix, right? And it's really that big a deal when they get this, okay, I'll watch on Netflix as opposed to you're building something up and even something like ESPN plus, which they've built up, you know, people have had to add that. Now it's become more of a, you know, something a little more standard for big sports fans, but I think that's a huge thing for your audience um, is if they don't feel as if like, oh, you're making me pay for something that I don't pay for. Now, are people going to like who don't like WWE if uh, Netflix goes up? Um, you know, I don't think they'll like that. No, I, I think Netflix is almost as ubiquitous as cable TV at this point. Something like 247 million global accounts. Like, it's ridiculous the amount of exposure that they have globally. And I don't think you're going to see that sort of social media vitriol from WE fans. Like, oh my gosh, it's going to someplace that I can't get to or I don't have. So many people. I, I don't really know anybody these days that really doesn't have Netflix or have a family member whose account that they use for Netflix. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a big win for WWE and its fans. I think the production value will remain the same. I really do like that there is a whole year in here that Netflix has to get ready for that January 2025 launch. I think that's going to be huge. And like you said, something Mark Shapiro said was Netflix is going to invest heavily to make this work. I don't think that they want to look bad. I don't think that they want egg on their face at all. And it also sounds like the markets are really approving of it. Uh, you know, as, as we talk about this, I, I think TKO stock, the parent company for UFC and WWE, is up significantly because this also... I think portends well for the next rights deal that TKO Group has with UFC and the WWE network deal that you're talking about. Is there something where they're sort of, could they be combined potentially in a, in a bigger deal? But I think TKO Group, at least Mark Shapiro feels, they're sitting in a good spot now as they get into those talks. Yeah, Netflix, look, they want to add people, but you also churn. Look, I, I wrote something in my newsletter in New York Post Plus, Sports Plus on uh, Monday about ESPN's hand, and I think it's kind of underrated. Right. Because ESPN had, you know, they saw what was coming with these the deep pockets of Apple, Amazon, Netflix, etc. They really have boxed out, though, on the major sports. Many of these streamers, you know, along with Fox and NBC and CBS, who have a lot of rights as well. But ESPN has the most. Um, 
And so you look at the hands that they're dealt, um, you know, how much will Netflix, you know, want to like, I don't know if like Netflix of the world necessarily feel like they have to have everything, you know, they're okay just having something. When you look at what ESPN's done is if you're a sports fan, when they go to direct to consumer next year, um, at, you know, at the probably the latest, maybe at the end of this year, at the earliest, I, I think when you look at what ESPN has done, you're going to, you're going to have to have it right in some form is either cable or direct to consumer because they just have too much stuff. If you're a sports fan. And I think the thing that you want to get to to a point, and this is where Netflix has gotten to, even without WWE is where people, like you just said, aren't really thinking about it. You just have Netflix. Somebody in your family has to have Netflix. Um, but that, that still though, you still like do think WWE is a good bet because it is a little bit more reliable than you're trying to make the next Stranger Things. It's not as easy as people think. And discoverability, they do a good job with. Like I think Apple probably has done a better job in terms of producing some really good shows. Um, but I think that for whatever reason, it's a little bit more difficult to find them. Netflix is getting an incredibly loyal fan base, like you alluded to. Week in and week out, you look at the top of the most watched shows on cable. It's Raw. It's SmackDown. And if WWE having that sort of comfort level, taking it off the winner's list like that and moving over to a streaming platform, I think it also gives some ease to Disney and ESPN when they're going to want to, like you said, take it off, move it to direct-to-consumer. Uh, I think that's the way we're going, and I do agree with you that I think it's all going to be happening sooner rather than the end of the timeline that a lot of people have talked about. All right, let's move to the NFL. Um, I talked about Romo earlier, but let's start with the ratings, Austin, because you are the man, the myth, the legend, Carp's Corner. Corner. Mini Carp's Corner. Corner. Tell me about these ratings. Let's just go down one by one. The most impressive number from the weekend in your mind. The most impressive number was easily that Chiefs-Bills thriller on CBS, you know, moving into prime time, I think was a great idea a couple of years ago where the NFL took divisional weekend that Sunday. It used to be 1 and 4.30. It's now more reflective of championship weekend with the 3 o'clock and the 6.30. And it really paid off for that late window, Bills Chiefs. Over 50 million viewers, 50.4 million viewers. That is an AFC, NFC championship type number. It's better than three of the last five AFC championships. It's better than all five of the last NFC championships numbers. It's a huge, huge win for CBS, for the NFL, you know, which has, the, the rating strand has just continued to go. Four, three of the four windows in the divisional round were up, and even ESPN, ABC, had the simulcast on that. Even though it was down year over year compared to that window just a little bit, it still, they're saying, was ESPN's most watched game ever, albeit with ABC simulcast contributing a big chunk of that audience. Fox also big on Saturday night, got a really nice number there, and NBC did well. Everyone's just rolling along, and you're wondering, did the NFL do anything you know, wrong and maybe cutting them that longer rights deal? Should they have put maybe an earlier look in? I mean, obviously, hindsight, 2020. But they do have an opt-out, right? They have an opt-out, I think, seven yeah, years seven in. Years, seven and, eight, you know, and getting back seven. to that WWE deal, you said, Important to note, the opt-out after five in case it isn't working for, for either side. And the NFL viewership this season, regular and postseason, just a win so far for everybody. Yeah, the NFL is just like a, they're like a steamroller. There's never stopping. Printing money. Printing money. Printing money. All right, let's talk about the broadcasts. Look, Nance and Romo are going to be the ones that everyone's looking at next couple of weeks because, you know, they have the Super Bowl. When you're a Super Bowl team, that's the year that, you know, you're the most important broadcast. You know, last year we had the storyline was Buck and Aikman leaving, Burkhart and Olsen coming in. Uh, they had 
I think the highest rated Super Bowl ever, right? Mm-hmm. It took yep. them a couple months, but took, come May, it took a couple months. It took a couple months, but they had the highest <laughs> they, they rated found, Super Bowl ever. Yeah, they found some viewers in, in Georgia, and they were able to, you know, declare that as a win as the most watched Super Bowl. Fair is fair. It this was is a, a non political podcast. It was a um, a coding error by Nielsen, but Fox did deliver last year the most watched Super Bowl on record. Couple of things. So on the Romo Nance, did you watch that game, and what did you think of their broadcast? It was. Almost cringeworthy at times listening to Romo. I think he has really lost whatever mojo he started with. And I, like you said earlier, there is just this, they're not getting, they're not there. They're not in sync at all. Like you see almost every time with Buck and Aikman. I'm just not feeling it with Nance and Romo. Granted, I also watch a lot more on the NFC side. So I only see Nance and Romo you know, maybe half a dozen times a season. I'm just, I'm not feeling that Romo is becoming. Wait, what's his personality quirk? Wait, hold on a second. You you watch more on the NFC side? What's that about? I'm a Giants fan, so a lot on the NFC side. Um, right. But when I do Fair watch, enough. when Fair I do enough. watch and Romo. It, that's, I feel bad for you. Ah, I'm going to continue to watch. That's what we do. We're fans. We continue to tune in, even with the pain. There you go. All right. Last year was all right. But yeah, I just, I don't know. They have to develop. The, the rapport is getting worse and not better, I feel. And that's not what you want to see, especially given the money that he got a couple of years ago. Yeah, a couple of things. So, yeah, the Romo part of it. Nance, I, I, like, they make a lot of mistakes, too. Like, they kind of make calls where, like, they say it's, a, it's caught or they're confused. I mean, the one that really stuck out was the fake punt uh, when Sean McDermott called that um, with DeMar Hamlin. Uh, it could have been an amazing story uh, considering his backstory, and then they didn't get it. Um, and you know, it ended up not being as big a deal because of the fumble on the ensuing drive that went through the end zone. Uh, but that was like the biggest call of the year. And when you listen to that call, it just, it didn't hit, didn't hit the moment in any way. And then they called in Jay Feely, which I can understand. He's a kicker. There's a punt situation, but they, they called in him to kind of help out with the call and they weren't on top of it as, as you'd like them to be uh, on that. And it's just like, it's just, there's something a little bit. A lot going on there. It's, it's kind of all over the place a little bit. Um, I know CBS is trying to make it work. Um, they're trying hard uh, to figure out ways to, to enhance it. But um, it's, uh, it's a struggle right now. It's the next two weeks, um, or next really three weeks. Um, it's going to be something to watch, the Romo-Nance combination. Some even even uh, more high-profile games than that one, especially. I, I think that uh, you know AFC Championship is going to be a huge audience, even though it's in the afternoon window. You still got a little Chief stuff. You still got the Taylor Swift effect. And... You know, I used to, earlier in the season, I really didn't think there was much to it, but I really do think as we keep getting down the road with the Chiefs, there is more to the Taylor Swift thing. Yeah, and then the, the other big one was, you know, the, our story of note um, was with the Packers and Tom Rinaldi and Matt LaFleur um, about on Anders Carlson, um, you know, where Rinaldi said that uh LaFleur says he prays when he goes to kick and you know he said that was taken the wrong way and out of context and and the Packers don't think from what I understand very unhappy about that um you know which I could see like I kind of doubt a coach would say that that that, in that regard to a reporter even if it's one of these background sessions so that was kind of surprising um you know I think you could see him saying it like you know a normal thing when a kicker goes out there I pray because you know you never know kickers um, but I don't think the Packers are very happy with that. So that was a big story. You know, the other two broadcasts, Burkhart and Olsen, this is the thing. And I always say this about it and we'll probably see this in the NCAAs with Ian Eagle, um, you know, coming up in March when he replaces uh, Jim Nance on the final four. I, I think it's a little bit overrated. Sometimes the idea of like 
only these people can do the big games, mm -hmm. right? And I think Burkhart and Olsen have done a great job of sort of like, they feel like a big time team. Now Tom Brady's coming in next year. They're shaking that up and that's going to be very interesting with Brady. The Brady meter up to 84%, 84% on the Brady meter. So I think he's going to do it, but they've done a great job. I think Olsen's put himself in position mm -hmm. for any jobs that come up in the future. Um, and Burkhart's done a good job as well. So, um, I just think that's slightly overrated that only these people can do that, you know, and now Tariko and Collinsworth, you know, I think they're a very solid team. Like, I don't think, um, look, everyone can, you can like people more. You can like people less. I mean, Tariko's on top of everything and Collinsworth, like, you know, I've gone up and down with Collinsworth over the years. He's been around forever. Of course, you know, sometimes he can go a little too crazy about the quarterbacks, but he knows how to do a broadcast. Like I, I think if you're watching that, that's a professional broadcast. So, um, you know, those other ones were, there are no real like highlights or anything, but that's actually a good thing. Kind of like an umpire. If you're not noticed, that's actually not the worst thing for broadcasts. I, I don't want to call it a shame, but I think the Burkhart Olsen duo really has grown steadily and they've progressed, and they, they seem comfortable, and that they would have been an incredible partnership for years to come versus what we've kind of seen with Nance and Romo, like just being way more rocky. And so introducing Tom Brady into that next year, it's kind of taking away from a little bit of the development that, that they've done over these last few years. But it was good to see Olsen in this role. I think he has a very, still has a very bright future ahead of him, and I'm curious to see how that ends up. All right, well, we got Austin Carp here, so we need some prediction ratings. All right, now... And then here's the first one. Three o'clock game, Baltimore and KC, as opposed to the 630 start for KC Buffalo Classic. Does it get a bigger number at three o'clock this Sunday than the Buffalo uh, Kansas City thriller 50 million plus viewers? I do think it still tops that 50.4 million that you got in the divisional okay. round. I think the Chiefs do still have that draw. I think people want to watch the Ravens too. You got the what is likely going to be the MVP on the other side, Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Holmes. You got the Taylor Swift stuff. Is Jason Kelsey going to take his shirt off again in the stands? Everyone wants to see. So I do think that it draws higher than that. The question is, does it top the 53 or so million viewers that Chiefs-Bengals got in primetime last year for the AFC Championship? I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be real hey, what's close. What's the number? I need, I need a prediction. I need an exact I do, number. For I, I, think it's, I think it's going to be right there. I think it's going to be around 54 million viewers, which would be up slightly from that. I, I do think there's enough attention there. And then the late game, San Fran and Detroit. What do we think on that number? I think it's going to benefit from being in prime time, of course. And I think I'm looking at the same sort of number. And it's, these are all assuming that the games are not, you know, 54 to 3 uh, by the end of the third quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll – you know, I used to cover the Yankees, and Joe Girardi would be like, wouldn't tell us the pitcher tomorrow. Well, how about if he gets hit by a bus? Mm -hmm. It'd be like, hey, Joe, if the guy gets hit by a bus and can't start tomorrow, we're not going to call you on it. All right? So so if you, if the game's 54 to 3 and the ratings, you know, your number's off, then we're not going to call you on it. We're going to go on the assumption, not that it's a classic necessarily, but it's a good game. But I, I think the Chiefs are still the bigger draw. I, I think there is not that much of a national following yet for these for this Lions team. I don't think that they've really proven themselves as a national TV draw. Great team on the field, developing a really good story. You have the 49ers and more of a national fan base, but I also think that's only going to draw between 53 and 54 million viewers. All right, let's hit some quick hits before we get on out of here. Um, uh, Adam Wainwright signs on with Fox. Um, are you a big baseball guy? I am. Go O's. Okay. Okay. The which one? Go Orioles. Wait, There's wait, no taking... replacing Orioles, oh, the Orioles on this side of the camera. But you're a Giant fan and an Oriole fan? Long story. My dad, well, I guess not a long story. 
My dad grew up in Brooklyn, who was really good back in the 60s and 70s. Orioles, Brooks Robinson, Jim Palmer, that's my club. God, I thought when we got rid of Orand, we'd getting rid of this Orioles No stuff. getting rid of All the right. birds, baby. <laughs> Adam, what was your take on Aaron, Adam Wainwright? You have a feel on him as a broadcaster? Have you watched him or not Yeah, I watched him a little bit in the postseason the last couple of years when they brought him into the booth. He's natural, and that's why they brought him in to do something longer, something more regular, and I think he's going to be a good fit. Yeah, I think you look at him, he could be a Greg Olson type, right? Um, you know, you have Verlander and Scherzer out there if they want to do it. Um, you know, they could be after Smoltz possibly. Uh, but Adam Wainwright, very good career. Um, but, you know, kind of an Olsen type. Like, if he wants to do it, he develops. Could he be the number one guy after Smoltz one day? I think that's possible. Uh, so uh, you see what, you know, they're kind of taking the same tact over at Fox with Wainwright as they did with Olsen. All right, let's move to another last of the two quick hits. Sports Illustrated last Friday, you know, it, sounded, it felt like um, another death knell to Sports Illustrated, iconic brand. Uh, like many of, you know, people in our business, I grew up, you know, running to the mailbox, read Gary Smith and Rick Riley, so many writers mm-hmm. who are, are, you know, have been there um, through the years. Steve Russian is one of the best writers ever in terms of – as far as I'm concerned, um, just so creative as a writer. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Like, I don't think it's the end of Sports Illustrated, but it feels like another big blow to it. I know. Like, uh, I know they might strike a, a new licensing agreement, but this news more than any other SI news in the past really did feel like one of those finals, final nails in the coffin for the publication, for its meaning in U.S. culture. It is the closest thing, I think, in, in the, on sports to what – Blockbuster, what happened to Blockbuster or what happened to Kodak, these venerable brands out there in in U.S. culture just not making the right decisions, not adapting to the times and falling by the wayside. And all we are left with is stories from our childhood about the time we spent with that brand. Austin, final topic, NHL ratings. Your ratings guru, what do you got for us? I think they're still riding the really strong lift that they saw at the beginning of the season, all that interest around Connor Bedard. And you, if you're Gary Benton, you were then very not happy to see him taken off and out for a little bit with an injury. I think you want to see him come back, shown on some more national broadcasts. But regardless, TNT, ESPN, up big, even with a the least-watched Winter Classic on record on TNT this year, even with a simulcast on True TV. But... They're up big. Fewer telecasts this year during the first half of the season. I think that's helping a little bit with the numbers. But they're going into the back half strong here and heading into uh, All-Star Weekend next week. Yeah, and that's something just to bring in as we end up here. Like that kind of put a bow on this. I think with WWE is something interesting for Netflix is that, you know, now look, it's not so easy for them to create new stars, right? They still have The Rock out there. They still have a lot of the old stars. But they can bring them back, right? NBA can't bring back Michael Jordan. LeBron is going to retire, you would presume, in the next few years. So if you're doing a long-term deal with the NBA, there isn't necessarily that star that's there. Now, I'm not saying there won't be. I personally believe somebody else will come up. You know, we already see it uh, with Wemby. So I, I, I would feel like they're going to be okay, like there'll be a, a new star. But you're not guaranteed that as you are with uh, WWE. And you see it like you just mentioned with hockey. I mean, it's exciting. It's an exciting time for hockey because of these young stars um, who might be Gretzky-like. Um, and so, and you want to watch them and they're creative and it's not just like, I always say this about Messi, like with MLS, it's like Messi's different because how he plays, 
Like these guys like Bedard, um, they seem to play differently and do things that like, oh, I've never seen that before. And I think that's really what you want, you know, for live sports if it's going to uh, to really keep, you know, get young people to watch, which is obviously an issue. NBA's tried. They tried to have that next superstar. They tried it with Zion. He was a TV draw. You know, can he stay in the court for longer than six or seven minutes, you know, during the course of a season? Uh, John Morant, you thought that he might be that sort of draw. I mean, him being in Memphis doesn't help, but, I mean, LeBron was able to do it out of Cleveland. If you're that big of a star, you'll be okay, you know, in the NBA with the national TV packages. But, yeah, I don't really see that natural heir apparent to Steph Curry, to LeBron James, a little bit of KD in there in terms of being a marquee TV draw type of name. I don't think that the guys in Boston, Jalen Brown and them, have really developed into a draw. I don't think Joel Embiid has developed into that sort of draw. So, yeah, somebody's going to have to really step up and be a marketable TV name for the NBA. 100%. All right, Austin, you nailed it, man. You did a great job. Um, Marchand and Carp sounds pretty good. Um, <laughs> it is still Marchand and Oran figuring everything out. I think the A-team is being pitched as a name here. <laughs> great job by you. Um, appreciate you uh, joining. As always, want to say thank you very, very much to the master of the board, Chris Mason, and the man who puts it all together, E.C. Wyatt. They've done a great job with this podcast since we started. Um, and so I want to thank them. And so uh, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>